happy Thursday and welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by Brandon co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, it's great to have you back on the show. Lots to talk about, though. The big news, which we will lead off with today, is, of course, the official retirement of Ryan Shazier. Uh, I wrote a piece about that that's on the, that's on the, at the top of the website right now. Um, you can check that out. But, Dale, you covered Shazier from the start of the career to the finish. What was your reaction and hearing that news and just how that, what, you know, what, what everything that you saw there? Uh, not really a surprise. Um, you know, they, the Steelers have put him on the uh, reserve retired list earlier this year. His contract was essentially up. They couldn't afford to continue to, to carry him on the roster, um, you know, because his, his salary was counting against the, against the team's salary cap, uh, you know, which is fine when you have this, the cap space to do so, but, when you don't, uh, you know, at some point that had to end. And so they, they placed him on the retired list uh, earlier this year. So it was only a matter of time before he actually retired. Right. The announcement itself wasn't a surprise. And he even said that. Like, he's like, hey, man, like someone asked him, like, did COVID push this? And he was like, no, this was probably going to happen anyways. He said the, the, the only thing that COVID really impacted is that he can't be around the team this year like he normally is. Because over the past few years, we've seen him around training camp, kind of just talking to some guys here, you know, signing some autographs, you know, for the fans. But, but being able to be around the team, which the Roonies, Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin have said he's always welcome to do. Yeah, and, you know, you saw him a lot last year uh, with Devin Bush, um, you know, talking to him, working with him, uh, kind of, you know, as an extra coach there, just being around him and, and being a, a sounding board for him. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, they can't do that this year because of the COVID stuff. They're only allowed so many people into the uh, facility and, and, you know, people uh, from outside can't have contact uh, with, the, with the players. So, you know, that, that just wasn't going to be in the cards for him this year. And, you know, he needs to, uh, I, I guess, you know, he's come to the realization that football is not going to happen again. Uh, and so he can, you know, move on to, you know, the next phase in his life. He's got, he's got young children. He, you know, he's going to want to spend time with them and spend time with his family and, and uh, continue rehabbing and, and doing the things that he needs to do for himself. So, you know, I, I understand this. He's, he's made, you know, enough money uh, to, to set him up nicely for the rest of his life. Obviously, it was a very costly issue. And, you know, that's the thing when, when people talk about, oh, this guy, these guys make too much money or that guy makes too much money. You don't see these guys. Right. Like, you know, I see these guys when they come back for the, for the alumni events who played in the, you know, in the 70s and 80s. And you, you see them walking with a limp or you see them, uh, you know, struggling with their, with their fingers that have been, you know, dislocated 72 times and they don't, they don't point the right ways. And, you know, just all the things that they put up with, um, you know, you never, you know, never begrudge those guys the money that they make because they've earned it. They put their bodies on the line. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, and, and Ryan Shazier put his body on the line, you know, most of all, I mean, you just saw the, the injury. Uh, we were both there uh, for, for, for that night in, you know, in, it was, a, it was like, it was, it was December in Cincinnati and just, I just remember feeling like, you know, I didn't care to watch another m moment of football. Just wanted to know if that guy was going to be okay. Um, and the fear that that had. So, I mean, it's another example of, you know, not only do these guys sacrifice, you know, so much time to make sure that their bodies are in peak physical shape and that they're in the best condition they can be to play this sport at a level that no one else can. But on top of all of that, they're playing a very dangerous sport that, 
things could, you know, the, uh, that you could be, end up, you know, being paralyzed like Ryan Shazier was. And I think it's a, it's a supreme blessing uh, for him and his family that he not only recovered, was able to walk, he danced at his wedding. And uh, one thing he revealed uh, on Wednesday was, you know, he was asked, you know, what's the, what's, what's your latest physical achievement? Because he, he's posted videos of doing box jumpers of, and, and, you know, videos showing that, Hey, he, he's able to work out again. Um, but it was really touching when he said, you know, the, the biggest achievement lately was just, he was hanging out in his backyard and his son pushed him and then ran away and that he was able to chase his son and that he caught his son and tackled him. And when they, when he tackled him, they just were laughing together. And that was a great victory for him. And I mean, I was, I'm sitting on, I'm sitting on the zoom call, like trying not to tear up because it's just like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's real. Like that's, that's so amazing. Um, I think it's truly a blessing that he's moving on. He says he's got a podcast going on Spotify that he's going to be doing. Um, I think it's great that he's looking forward and thinking like, hey, you know, football was my life as a player. And maybe he'll find another way to, to do it, you know, on the other side of it, whether as a coach, because he, he said, I'm not ruling that out. But maybe he's got something else going on. But I think it's great that he's got his head up and he's looking for other things. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I, you know, you can – uh, you know, <clears throat> people can say, well, you know, if I had that kind of money, I would retire. Yeah, I wouldn't do anything. I just, I just go live on the beach. That, that sounds nice, but you know, put yourself at, you know, you're 26, 27, 28, or in the, you know, in the case of Ramon Foster, our, our colleague, uh, you know, 33 or 34, you're still a young man. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a lot of life ahead of you. Uh, it sounds nice to, well, I, I just go play golf all the time. At some point, that gets boring. You know, you want to, you know, I could, I could understand, you know, wanting to do something else and, and, and want, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, when I spoke with Troy Palomalu, um, you know, at, at the Super Bowl, uh, and he said, you know, the reason he, he didn't come back a lot and hasn't been around the team is because he didn't want to be defined as being only a football player. Uh, he didn't want that to be the, the thing that the people, uh, immediately identified him with, and he's obviously a much bigger star. Uh, you know, everybody recognizes who Troy Polamalu is, but he didn't want to be known as just the football player. You know, you're in your mid 30s, your early 30s, and you've got a lot of life ahead of you. You've got a lot of living to do, and you got to find out, figure out for yourself what that what that path is going to be, where you're going to go. Absolutely, uh, and I think I wanted to get your your touch on this because. Also on the Zoom call where he was speaking, it wasn't just him. The, the Steelers brought in Mike Tomlin and Vince Williams, and they both called him their brothers, and they, they both expressed their, lo- expressed their love for him and support for him and everything that he's doing moving forward, um, and they, their appreciation of him during there. But Kevin Colbert, Steelers general manager, joins at the end of the Zoom call, and he just explains to Ryan Shazier that through his entire recovery, he was an inspiration to everyone in the organization because – he said, you know, they often what they end up worrying about are players at the end of their careers not being able to figure out a way to live after football and that that's going to bog them down. But he said they don't have to worry about that with Ryan Shazier because he saw Ryan Shazier go through something so insane and so crazy and so terrifying. And he said never at once during his recovery did he ever see Ryan Shazier take pity on himself and say, why me? He said, that gives he's there Kevin Colbert said that, that gave him strength that gives other people strength and he also said that Ryan Shazier he may be retired as a player but he'll never retire as a Pittsburgh Steeler 
Um, to me, this is just another example of how classy the Steelers are as an organization and uh, the relationships and the family environment that you see with a lot of their players. Yeah, it is different. I, I mean, I've, I've talked to a number of guys, um, you know, who've been with other organizations and, and have been around the league or, or guys who have covered other teams. And it's just, it's different. It really is. And it, it all comes back to that, that family environment. Agreed entirely. A great touching story. Go read up on it. Uh, Shazier's retirement um, on DKPittsburghSports.com. I wrote it up. I wrote a story, Dale. Um, and uh, you can read that there. We're going to take one quick break, but there's a lot of other news going on with the Steelers right now about their upcoming matchup that we get to right after this. DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Now, Dale, talking about the Steelers right now, going into the week, Steelers announced that Zach Banner will be the starter for week one. Um, this was kind of hinted at and talked about leading into this week. Um, you, you know, it was, a, it was a discussion that you've had, you and I have had a few times, more than a few times, about who would win that job between him and Okorafor. What was your reaction to seeing that announcement, and what do you expect out of Banner? You know, uh, when when Chukwuekor suffered the uh, the groin injury uh, in week two of the of uh, training camp, uh, and missed uh, several days there, that kind of put him behind a little bit. Um, I, I still was see what I was seeing on the field was, you know, them still giving him every opportunity to win that job. I, I just think right now, uh, I don't think he's a hundred percent. I think he came back. Uh, probably before he would have normally from that groin injury uh, because he felt, you know, he's battling for a, for a, a starting spot. That's not to take anything away from Zach Banner. Zach Banner had a great camp. Um, again, people that I talk to that I trust um, telling me that, 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 you know, those two were the best, the two best tackles in camp this year. Wow. Uh, and that was not, you know, that, that was not a, a, even a shot at Alvo and away, but those guys came in, ready and primed for that competition at right tackle. You know, they both wanted that starting job. Uh, Zach Banner has it for now. They're both going to play. And just because Banner starts this week doesn't mean that he necessarily starts next week. Hmm. Uh, you know, we'll see what, we'll see how they work this thing. It would surprise me to see them perhaps, uh, you know, depending on the matchups, uh, play, you know, play it that way as well. I think they like both of these guys a lot. And I think these two guys are their tackles of the future, um, and they want to get them on the field. Absolutely, I think that that's a really it, that's that's really good from you there. And you know, I, I thought about that too because we saw the the Zach Banner or Chakuma Korafor on the depth chart, which I've never really seen before in my time of watching depth charts. Um, so I think that's a very interesting possibility. But let's talk about the other part of the offensive line. It's a question mark right now because it looks like David DeCastro won't be ready to go for week one. And you're going to see Stefan Wisniewski, the guy they just signed off the Chiefs uh, this past offseason. This is exactly why they got him, was so he, they could plug him in an emergency situation. Dale, 
what's your sense of David DeCastro's injury, how you've seen it, you know, throughout camp and, uh, you know, how it'll impact the line, especially in week one, they're going up against the defense with Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, DeCastro missed the first week of, uh, of camp in pads, came back for that second week and then aggravated that I, th- I'm, uh, I think it's a calf injury of some sort. Uh, they want that thing to get completely healed. They don't want this to be a situation where he plays a week and then misses the next week and then, you know, comes back and it just keeps – it turns into a season-long thing. So, at this point, they want to get this thing as healthy as possible, uh, have him for the long haul. Quite frankly, this Giants team does not scare uh, me at all in terms of what they bring as a pass rush. Dexter Lawrence, that, great. He's, he's, he's a fine player. Uh, but he's not – you know, it's not like he's Cam Hayward in there or anything like that. Um, they're not going to offer – I don't, I don't believe that they'll offer much resistance uh, to what the Steelers are going to want to do. I think the Steelers are going to pretty much do whatever they want to do offensively in this football game. Um, that, that defense was like 28th in the league last year. Uh, they were not good. You know, people in New York are talking about, oh, maybe Dexter Lawrence will win the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, okay, right. I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. You can't win Defensive Player of the Year on a defense that's in the bottom 10 in the league. You just can't do it. And that's where the Giants are going to be at. So everybody has good players. Every team has a guys that you have to be concerned with. But if it's only one or two guys, you can handle that. And the Steelers will be just fine in this game. Yeah, I think that the Steelers have a lot of good chances. We'll talk about that more tomorrow on the show. Um, but, you know, as far as other things the Steelers are going through, I mean, everything else looks looks like they're raring to go. Uh, a report came out that only five people but personnel not just players but personnel have tested positive for COVID-19 across the NFL I think that that's uh that's a very good sign that the NFL is has taken care of this and it's taking this very seriously and that they're ready to go um we'll we'll do predictions on the Giants tomorrow um but we're talking Thursday night football here Dale who do you got in the season opener for the entire league between the Chiefs and the Texans oh the Chiefs will win that game um you know the the uh, defending Super Bowl champions on Thursday night in their own building, uh, they always win this football game. <laughs> you're, you're, you're essentially the, uh, the, you know, you're the Christians and the Lions here. Um, you know, you're being served up. <laughs> the Lions? Uh, the Lions, yes. I like, you know, it's all about the Lions. Uh, in this case, the Lions always win. Um, <laughs> it's the only time the Lions always win. But, uh yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sorry for the for Houston. This is just going to be a tough situation, uh, you know, going in there. I, I realize that there won't be a crowd there, so it'll be a little bit different. But they're gonna they're gonna drop the banner and do all that stuff. It, you know, Kansas City's gonna roll these guys. I, I agree with you, man. Kansas City brought back pretty much their whole team. They've got. They've got very few answers to have to figure out this year. They're Super Bowl champions. Their confidence is riding high. The Texans gave away their best uh, – well, maybe their best player in DeAndre Hopkins. Deshaun Watson's back, but there's no guaranteed solution for him as a receiver. And, you know, they went and got David Johnson, but, you know, he's been hurt for so long. The defense did sign Zach Cunningham to longer deal. I just – I have the Chiefs rolling these guys as well. I just I, – I even see – um, the Chiefs winning it it's somewhere in the range of 40 to 20 because I, I do think Deshaun Watson will put up some big plays here and there because that's what he I mean he's that's the kind of player he is but eventually you're going to see he just he's going to be by himself and Patrick Mahomes has Ty- Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, Travis Kelsey and now rookie 
uh, running back Clyde Edwards-Lair, who both you and I thought we was really good coming into this NFL draft. The, the, the Chiefs are stacked. The Texans got a lot of questions to answer. I'm right with you. I think the, the Chiefs roll. Yeah, I agree, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if this, if this uh, you know, when I say roll, uh, you know, they're going to, they're gonna, you know, beat them handily. I, I could see the Texans keeping this one hitting the spread, um, just, you know, with an oh, by the way, at the end. The, the Kansas City's defense is not good. I agree. Um, it's not good at all. Their secondary – has, still has issues, uh, but this is just a tough spot to go into, as we saw last year with the Steelers. In fact, we've seen this in two of the last three previous three years with the Steelers playing in this opener on Thursday night against New England. Uh, this is just a tough spot. It's just really difficult to go in there and play the defending Super Bowl champions on their home turf on a Thursday night to open the season uh, because they've just got all the emotion there. Yeah, you're right. They've got the emotion. They've got the confidence. Everything's flowing right there. Um, and I, I think that the Chiefs are in a much better position, again, with all their players coming, well, at least most of their players coming back and most of their stars. Uh, they're going to have chemistry, and the Texans got to figure out a lot of things in a season without a preseason and all the other things we know we're missing. So, uh, both. Yeah, if we're talking about chemistry, I don't like Bill O'Brien as, uh, as, as the guy doing the formulas. <laughs> That's a great way to put that because I don't like Bill Ryan either calling those shots. I think I thought it was a mistake for them to keep him longer around Deshaun Watson. Uh, Watson signing that deal was, you know, was interesting, but, uh, but certainly both. So both, there you have it. Both Dale and I have the chiefs to win this one uh, confidently. We're pretty solid in those picks. Uh, Dale, thanks as always for doing the show. We'll be go We're going to go to a quick break. We come back. It's going to be me on Don't Get Me Started. Y'all got me started. What was that about? You'll find out right after this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started about Miles Garrett. Somehow, we're back here, folks. I thought we were done with this. It's been, what? Nine months, ten months since Miles Garrett assaulted Mason Rudolph, Steelers quarterback, at the end of a Browns-Steelers game where the Browns were clearly winning. The game was over. Mason Rudolph looked horrible. The Browns controlled the entire game. They looked like they had beaten the Steelers and maybe had surpassed the Steelers for the season. And then in a fracas, Miles Garrett takes off Mason Rudolph's helmet, swings it, full in full motion over his over his shoulder and then clocks Mason Rudolph in the top of his head with his own helmet using in the helmet as a weapon and then we all know what followed afterwards uh the Browns initially expressed that that's not acceptable but then Miles Garrett a couple days later would allege that Mason Rudolph called him a racial slur and that that's what caused him to, to swing the helmet and then none of the Browns said that they had heard that story before. And then all of the fallout happened where Mike Tomlin said, we haven't found any evidence of that. Well, we stand behind Mason Rudolph. 
And the NFL said that they couldn't find any evidence of that on a Thursday night football game where there were cam- cameras and, 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 you know, mics everywhere. And, you know, all that played out. And Miles Garrett has stuck to that story, and he's in the news again. And he's talking about this situation. He, uh... He addressed uh, Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, because uh, he was talking to her about what he'd, how he'd like to move forward. He revealed that he felt like at one point retiring after all that happened. And I'm going to get to all my thoughts here, but I just want to give you the whole picture of how this played out. But Miles Garrett said, quote, If it were to happen, talking about a lawsuit from Mason Rudolph about this, he said, I'd be fine with it which I'm confused about, but okay. He says, I'd not just be fine, but I wouldn't mind it, and I'd be happy to make it happen if there were a way. I'm not sure how I'd go about it, but I'd broach that. I'm not even sure if he'd want to do that, but I well, I wouldn't have a problem sitting down with him and just not talking about the incident, but talking, just talking man-to-man, how we move forward, and just being better men and football players and not letting some, something like this happen again. Whether we can do that, I'm not sure, but I'd be willing to extend the olive branch and make it happen. So I'm a little confused here, Miles. Because did, did did Mason do this or not? Now, I was one of the Pittsburghers that said that this doesn't add up. But I wasn't going to call Miles Garrett a liar until I had proof that he lied. Like, if, if we had heard clear audio of the situation, which the NFL couldn't produce. They couldn't produce any audio of the situation. They wouldn't release anything. They just said that from what they listened to, they couldn't hear it. But if there was audio of how that played out and you could hear like the ruffling between the guys and the fighting and what things might have been said because you can see, you know, Mason say a few other cuss words in that situation, but you can't hear it. If, if that audio was released, then I would straight up, okay, Miles Garrett, you lied. Uh, but I'm not going to call him a liar, but I'm going to say you handled this extremely poorly because I'll tell you, as a black man, I've been called the N-word by white people, by, by people who meant it in a very negative way. And... If I wanted to report it, if I wanted to handle it, even if I freaked out in the situation and I did something completely unprofessional like using a helmet as a weapon, which Miles Garrett did, I would have immediately gone to my superiors, my supporters, my teammates. I mean, he was in Cleveland. He was in his locker room. And I would have told every single person what I just, why I just did that and what I just heard. And he didn't do that. His teammates didn't know. His team didn't know. They were all like, what? He said that? That to me just struck as he didn't handle this well, in, you know, at all in this way, and he continues this path. And Mason Ruff's lawyer said if he keeps bringing this up, you know, they're going to sue him, um, you know, for slander and libel and all that kind of stuff. Because they they Mason Ruff's maintained the entire time that he never called uh, Miles Garrett a racial slur, the N word, or anything. Um, and bringing this back up, I'm just like, what? Like, like, you know, like, what, 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 why do you, why do you want to sit down with this guy? If he calls you the N-word, for, if someone calls me the N-word, I don't care to sit down with them ever again. Even if I punch them, even if I, well, if I, if I did something back to them, I, I, I would try to say like, okay, well, let's talk about this because then I've wronged you back. But, um, but it was in retaliation to a racial story. If someone says that to me as a black man, I, I don't feel sorry for you. Like once, once you've crossed that line and you've let me know that you're a racist, then I don't like you. And I don't want to talk to you. And I know not to talk to you because you're a crazy person. But, again, this is if, if Mason did this. We don't know that he did. If if in Miles' head he actually said that, I mean, offering an olive branch, 
seems like it seems like he may not even believe himself he continues here it'd be like other instances where people agree to disagree just what i heard just what you said you said that's what it is if you say you didn't say that that's okay but that's what i heard it, it is what it is at the end of the day where men and shouldn't be and it, and it and it shouldn't be one situation that keeps you from respecting each other because you can't look past that if he wants to hold on to it i'm not going to have any problems with him if he if he still has a problem with me you swung a helmet at him like, if he legitimately did nothing wrong to you other than you guys got into a, a football scrum where he, he, he was trying to pull off your helmet or whatever and there was there was so, there was some stuff going on there, you know, there, everything that led up to that was typical football stuff like, I don't like you, you're laying on top of me, and, 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 but swinging the helmet overhand the way he did and hitting Mason Rudolph on the head, what, why would, what would he have to say to you at this point? And then... If you are lying any further, what does he have to say to you at this point? I just, I don't get it. Now, again, if Miles Garrett is telling the truth, I'm, I'm trying to be as objective here as possible. If Miles Garrett was tell, telling the truth, and he really wants to extend this olive branch, and he really feels like this is on his side, it's like, okay, well, again, I, I would have handled this differently. And... And I mean, I can't say I'm not. I was. I've never been on national. To, I've, I've never been on national TV while I'm playing a game, and you know, and then ha and then someone say that to me in the moment while I'm playing a physical game where emotions are high and everything's going on. So I don't know how I actually react to that situation. But I would like to think that the training that I've received, you know, I've 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 had I've had police officers say things to me that were provocative to try and get me to to react. I've had I, I I've had football teammates use racial slurs against me and, and and white ones that were doing it in a hurtful way um i've been called that on the field by opposing players um but again that was high school football it's a different situation and i because i had my parents have taught me how to deal with racism i, I handled it differently now not everyone gets taught how to deal with that but this that just this doesn't this doesn't add up this does not add up and that's what's making getting me started right now he keeps going, and the thing is, he, he kept, he talked forever about this, uh, you know, he talked about how he's going to keep going, keep playing the game, this quote, this quote knocked, you know, made, made me, like, fall back in my chair, I was, uh, he says in the following, he said, now our fates are intertwined forever, so I don't think we should leave it off like that, in, in, in my opinion, um, he said, I feel, I feel like we should clear the air so there's no problems and there's no bad blood, okay, first of all, we're lucky there was no bad blood because you didn't strike blood on Mason Rudolph, but you clearly could have much by using a helmet. But I continue. He says, uh, between our teams and our fans, the rivalry, I feel like, will live off of it. Um, but between the players, I feel like it should always be, be competitive but never go over the line. You think? You think, Miles? You should never go over the line. Nah. Nah, you don't. you don't do that. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you think you should, it should never go over the line. Well, who took it over the line? Ah. But again, this is complex. I mean, if, if Mason Rudolph did say this somehow and, and no, and it just so happens that no microphone or camera picked up on his lips or the sound from his voice, and it's just something that, that only Miles Garrett and God knows, um, if that's the case, you know, I, I, I think you know some someday there will be a reckoning for it, but um, but uh, until I see evidence of it, I'm not gonna say Mason Rudolph is guilty of anything, and I'm not gonna. There's no justification, even if it is guilty. There's no justification for Miles Garrett swinging the helmet the way he did. 
Um, and for him to keep bringing it up like this, I mean, like, who knows? Maybe, maybe he really feels like he, like he was wronged here. Um, and, and being called the, like being called a racial slur, it is maddening. Like, you know, it, it you know, it, I, it does, it doesn't sense me sometimes. There's times that I feel like I, there's times when I've been told it and I felt like, 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 let's go, let's, let's fight right here and now. But I mean, in that situation, you're a professional athlete in a, in a big moment like that. And you, and you, 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 you didn't, it wasn't like you swung on him. You swung with a helmet. That stuff can kill somebody. And Miles Garrett is an extremely powerful person. You know, he, he. I just I, I look at this and I don't understand where he comes from and how he continues to handle the situation. Um, and I mean, and, and he's right. Yeah, the fans are gonna live off this. I mean, when you, when you say the fans live off it, the, the your 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 freaking head coach wore a Pittsburgh started it shirt and let himself be taken in a picture by it, wearing it. I don't understand anything here. And this is this is but this is why Cleveland's Cleveland. This is why Cleveland's always going to have the crazy stuff. This is why Cleveland's never going to win anything. This this is they, this is why this stuff. I it doesn't seem to ever stop with them. But hey, you know if that's how they want to operate, that's how they want to operate. But Miles Garrett, I don't get you, man. Um, if he said it, if someone said that to me, I would go through heaven and hell to prove it. Um, if it was on this kind of a stage, if if he didn't say it. I would just shut the hell up. I can understand if you if you felt really small after the moment and you alleged something that you shouldn't have alleged or if you went to that appeal meeting and you said that to try and get your get yourself some some leniency, which is a punk move if that was again. I'm not saying that that's definitely what Miles did, but it's certainly a possibility if that was what he did then I would understand if you were just like, hey, I shouldn't have said that. I'd like to move on with my life now. And you can. He's got, he's got a new deal. He's paid $125 million over the next five years. Like, Miles Garrett's fine. Financially, he's good. But And, and Mason Rudolph, honestly, Mason's not going to... I don't see him becoming some superstar quarterback. Like, honestly, through all of this, Miles is going to make, in the next two or three years, probably more than Mason makes in his entire career. He might have already made more than Mason will make in his entire career. So I just I don't understand the need to keep bring bringing this back up, Miles Garrett. Unless you got something that says that, you, that he definitely did this, um, and, and if he did, if uh, on both sides, if he did this, come with evidence or leave it alone. If he didn't do this, leave it alone. Because all you're going to do is you're going to fuel the people that don't believe you, and you're going to make the situation even more weird by rehashing it and rehashing it. And if you want to make a meeting happen man-to-man, make a meeting happen man-to-man. Y'all both got agents. you know. And, and you don't even got to do a man-to-man. Man, zoom to Zoom. And just be like, look, man, you know, privates, off the record, no conversation. Like, we, we don't tell the press about this. This is between you and me. We're going to have to play each other twice a year. Or, well, I mean, Mason will be on the sideline most likely. But, you know, we'll be, a, we'll be on opposing teams and we'll see each other twice a year and, I don't want nothing to do with it, and you don't want to do with it, and we leave it at that. If that's what you want to do, do that. But don't make, don't be speaking to the press about this stuff and just and, and reopening this because all you're doing, Mason's gonna be gotta read this stuff, and then everyone's talking about this stuff, and then we still don't have evidence that they that he said what you accused him of saying. But we do have all the evidence that you swung a helmet at him. God, makes me crazy. Gets me started.
And this is, don't get me started here at the end of the DK Steelers podcast. Let me know if you think I'm crazy. Maybe I'm overreacting. I don't know. But Miles Garrett just seems to, he continues to befuddle me with how he's handled this situation. If he was called a, a racial slur, um, you know, I, I pray for him. I, I mean, I pray for a lot of people in my life. I, I'm a, maybe people don't know I'm a Christian. I, you know, I, I, I deeply believe that, you know, in spirit, spiritual connections between people, you know, I, I root for the average person. I, I root for, I, I root for people in general. Like, you know, unless you've wronged me or I think you're a horrible person, which Miles Garrett, I mean, honestly, you know, outside of that one moment where you tried to take a man's head off, um, with a helmet, you know, I, I, outside of that, I had no reason to dislike Miles Garrett. Um, and then the accusation, which I still don't get. Um, so I mean, I, I don't wish ill upon Miles Garrett. I just, I, I want to know more. I want to, I want, I want him to, I want him to handle this situation better than he has. Even beyond the swinging of the helmet, we're long past that. But how you continue to press this in the, in the press, that's confusing to me. Like I would push the NFL as like, hey, if you don't have any sound or audio, put that sound out there. I want to do it because I, I know that this happened. If I, if I, if I really believe in the deepest of my hearts that this happened, I want to know. Huh. Let me stop before I get started again, because I almost started myself again. But this was Don't Get Me Started at the end of the DK Steelers podcast. Let me know what you think. At Carter Critiques, follow me on Twitter. I will follow you back. I'm also at Carter Critiques on Instagram if you want to follow that. Um, thanks for listening to the DK Steelers podcast. Please rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the word out about the show. Also, check us out. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere where podcasts are hosted. We'll be back tomorrow. Dale and I will be previewing the weekend of football. You'll get our, not just our Steelers projections, but our, our picks throughout the weekend. Have a happy Thursday.